Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. And here in the studio with me today, I have Chef Kevin Belton. Hey, Chef Kev, how you how doing? How are you? I am just taking up all the room in your studio. <laughs> well, I kind of giggle because when I got your bio, it said his 6'9 frame. And I started thinking, goodness gracious, my husband is like 6'5", 6'6". Six nine. I know the problems I deal with in our household. I can only imagine the problems you deal with in your household. They're the opposite end. Uh, so short people and tall people, we have the same things, but the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yes. But it works. So I just fully group to reach my full potential. <laughs> well, I like to think that I can I can command the room like like somebody who's six nine, but not always fill up the space. But dynamite comes in small packages. Absolutely, that. that's what we try to do. I um at our house, um I was telling the guys here in the studio. I said, you know, my husband can reach the top of the refrigerator. He can change the light bulbs. <laughs> like I'll call him because I need to go get a ladder, but he can just stand on the chair and do it. But the worst habit, and I'm going to call my husband out on this, is because he's tall, his eye level and reach is in a different spot. So he will fix himself a a drink, a glass of water, something, but he knows that I'm a little crazy about how clean and cluttered my kitchen is. So he knows if he puts that drink on the kitchen counter, it's going to be washed. It's going to be washed. So he puts it on top of the refrigerator. The problem is sometimes it gets caught between the door and the top of the refrigerator. Chef Kev, I can't tell you how many times I have been just doused with a cup of ice water because I opened the fridge and he didn't quite have it pushed back. Be thankful for that. Oh, man. Years ago, my son wanted me to see, Dad, this thing, coconut oil, coconut oil, coconut oil. He left it on the top of the refrigerator for me to see it. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, being so tall, figured Dad will see this at eye level. I went to pick it up, but the lid wasn't totally on it. So when I picked it up, it kind of fell and leaned forward and ran down the front of the refrigerator. Oh, and got in every nook and cranny. Two hours later with hot water, it was still kind of <laughs> slick. So now I think he just used to hide the hide it in his room. (laughs) Whatever you do, don't mention coconut oil in front of my dad. (laughs) You don't want to get in trouble. I mean, it's funny. It's the challenges that we have in a kitchen. And I I think, you know, I think to myself, okay, so Chef Kev's doing, you know, all these TV segments and he's doing all this cooking on TV. Do they have to build a set big enough to fit you or do you just work your way through? The the set at WIS was built for me. Wow. You know, if... About a month ago, I'm walking through the French Quarter, and this lady comes up to me. She says, oh, my God, you're huge. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. She says, I watch you in Wisconsin, and you look so normal, but you're huge. <laughs> and I told her, I said, which you don't realize, most sets are really small, but this set was built for me. So that countertop is raised up. The, the, the set is deep in depth, and it makes me look normal. Yeah. But when you stand next to me, you get all six, nine, four hundred pounds. Well, we should go cook on it together. That should be highly entertaining. We'll get you in. We'll have to get you a little <laughs> something to stand yes. on. Uh, uh, I'll need the um, the old school pack of uh, phone books, but I don't even know if they print the phone book anymore for we me to stand on. We can find you something. <laughs> well, I, you know, I know that your passion is Louisiana cuisine. And, 
you know, as long as I can remember, you know, Kevin Belton, Chef Kevin Belton's name has been definitely associated with Louisiana food. So how did that become what you became when you grew up? I, I don't know how that happened. It's, you know, it's it's really amazing to me. I grew up as a kid watching Julia Child. And, of course, being a New Orleanian, I grew up in the kitchen with mother and grandmother because that's where everything took place was hanging out in the kitchen. So as a little kid, I had a little cutting board. I was peeling shrimp. Mom let me cut little things that were easy to cut and do that. So I was always hung out there. But to go from watching Julia Child on TV and to having a show on PBS, it's just a blur in the middle. It's a blur. I, I think in knowing and going out to eat and g getting to know people like Leah Chase, getting to know Mike Roussel, who was a chef over at Brennan's, getting to know Warren LaRuth. Remember Mr. Warren had LaRuth across? Getting to know all these people and being friends with them. It's like, okay, I have to take what they started, that tradition, and just keep passing it on to the next generation. So that's what I try to do. The, the best thing for me is when someone comes up to me and says, you know, it was so simple that I tried it and it came out. Because and it worked. that makes you keep going. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, one of the things I tell people whenever I'm trying to encourage them to cook, because I think we should all cook more, we should all eat more as a family and get our hands dirty and kind of go back to that. But I say, don't be afraid. No. Be fearless. I, yeah, I can't tell you how much stuff I've I fed to my husband or the neighbor's dog, <laughs> you know, exactly. that I just said, oh, I ate so much while I was cooking. I didn't need any more. But I find that when you approach food already nervous, yeah, that goes into the food. You taste that nervous energy in it. And, you know, all it is, I always tell people, try to break it down, it's just preparing food to eat. That's all cooking is. It's preparing food to eat. If you make a reservation, all right, a banana, you have to feel it. That's preparing, that's all right? If, if, if that's your first step in warrior cooking is peeling that banana or opening that bag of chips, you've cooked. You've prepared. And it doesn't matter if it has a long name. It doesn't matter if it has to be cooked for hours on end. It boils down to preparing food to eat. Uh, and everybody eats. Yeah, everybody eats. But what's more important, what you said earlier, about getting to the table. That's, that's the whole thing. You know, I used to throw the boys, I used to pick them up from school, and they would tell me, Dad, can we please just go to McDonald's? Fine. So we'd go to McDonald's, Burger King, somewhere. We'd grab something, but you know what? We brought it home and sat at the table and ate at the table. Because there's there's something magical that happens when a family sits around a table. You know, I um I have gotten bad about having my phone, right? And yesterday yes. I had lunch with someone who I see, you know, a couple of times a year. And I realized that my phone was sitting on the table and it flashed. And the first thing I did was put it in my purse because I was there to have a conversation with her and to hear about her yes. life and what is happening. And I feel that the more we do that, we're remembering how to connect because we think we're connected, but we're not really connected on that same personal level that we were sitting around our mama's table. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I do a thing with, uh, I'm a member of Kiwanis. And one of the things I try to work with, and I've been so busy lately that I haven't been there, but I used to go to, once a month, Boys Hope. Boys Hope and Girls yeah. Hope. I'd cook dinner for the boys. 
And it's so nice to have young men sitting at a table with no phone where you talk and you communicate. And, and that's something that you learn family values, you learn family history. You learned why Uncle Frank, his eyes started off really clear, but as the night went on, <laughs> you know, look, they're changing colors. What's going on? And then at the beginning of the night, it was Kevin. But, you know, later on as the evening grew, it was like, Kevin. <laughs> and it wasn't until you got older that you realized it's the, that little stuff in that glass that's making his eyes change color. Yeah. <laughs> My husband would joke that he... um he had a, a, a great aunt, and her name was Cotty. And he would say as a kid, he had to sit next to her. And he could always tell what Cotty had been eating at the table for the week because it was still attached to her glasses that she would take off when she ate and put around <laughs> her neck. And, you you know, you kind of giggle, but you go, those are childhood memories. Yes. Those are memories that yes. he holds dear about this aunt who is yes. adorable. and. The whole family still giggles about it. But if they didn't eat at every Sunday dinner at the family table, then they wouldn't have those memories. You wouldn't have that. And you, you know, the other thing I don't like, I'm not a fan of when people say, oh, the recipe's a secret. Well, that means it's going to end with you. You know, and I, I try to tell folks, uh, if grandmother cooks a dish, she may not know exactly how much it is, but sit with her in the kitchen with a piece of paper. Yes. Jot down. What's going in? Guess at how much she's putting in. At least you have it to pass on. But I don't like it when folks go, oh, my grandmother makes the best this, but she would not give anybody that recipe. Well, unfortunately, it ends it right ends. there. And know? then you can't recreate it and you can't keep them alive for the next generation through their food if no. you don't do that. No. So I follow my mother-in-law around because her cornbread dressing is like the stuff of legends. It's amazing. Sure. And so I tried, you know, a couple of Thanksgivings following her around, but she's one of those cooks who doesn't measure, but she likes to fiddle with something that's perfected. And I think there are a lot of cooks out there who they make their same thing. It's grandma's recipe and it's perfect, but then they go, what if I did a little of this? So then it's not the same every time. And so you're starting to go, but Miss Janet, this in the cornbread dressing. It's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, I put mushrooms in it this time. And you don't know if it's better or not. A, you know, you, it's but hard you know, to tell. That's, that's part of those Louisiana roots, I think. Yeah. Because from day one, our cooking was making do with what was there. You yeah. had that base foundation, but then you may not have an ingredient this week that you had last week. But yeah, once you get something right spot on, it's kind of like, don't, don't, do don't it. mess with it. Don't it, do it. It drives my husband crazy if I don't write down the recipe, if, you know, you're making something new up because it goes, it yeah. just, the magic happens and then it's gone forever, right? So I always tell people, you know, keep a pen and paper, a, a, you know, a sharpie and a piece of parchment, whatever. Anything. And even if you're not writing down measurements, as you're putting something in the pot, at least you remember what you put in it. Yes. And it's also good, too, if you you realize that you have a dinner guest that has an allergy, but you weren't following a recipe. And then you go, oh, did I? I don't remember if I put Worcestershire in this or if I put, you know, whatever. So it's good to uh, keep track of it. When they fall out of the chair, that's a clue <laughs> that you remember to put it in. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. It has anchovy and you can't have fish. Oops. <laughs> you know, I, I, used to, I used to always tell people it's like you have to cook to your taste. 
You can't let anybody else taste it except yours. And now everybody has, like, become, they have all these allergies. Or, or even if they're not allergic, they're changing their diets for this, for that, for this reason, for that reason, that reason. Cook it the way you want it. When they come over, they're older than six. They can eat on the way home if they don't like it. Yep. Don't say you know? if it's a free meal, you can go buy a meal. <laughs> I got kind of joke. I'm like, if you don't like what I'm cooking, then you can go have something else. But, you know, when you're saying cook to your taste, you know, if we were to say, Chef Kevin, what is your taste? You know, what are what are you looking for if you're cooking and you're eating? Oh, goodness gracious. And you see, here's the sad part is I don't cook at home at all. I don't cook it. I have hot dog salad or cereal at home. But, you know, it's, it's, I look at it like ladies wear earrings, a necklace, a pin, or purse to complement an outfit. A gentleman I put on a tie with a pants shirt to complement it. I try to take that main flavor of the dish and use the seasoning and all to complement it, not cover it up. And I think sometimes folks try to go too much, you know. I think the simpler, the better it's going to come out. Let that star shine through and just use everything else to kind of complement it. So I just try to not get that main flavor covered up, but look to things that can elevate it and just to just taste good. I'm a fan of sweet and savory. I don't know. If oh, you yeah. Are. I love me some pepper jelly. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so yes. anything that has vinegar, pepper, and sugar, I'm in. So oh, if yeah. it's that kind of balance. there, You know, there's something, I feel like as diners we're and home cooks, we're a little more adventurous than we once were. And we're starting to realize that there are more combinations than maybe some of the flat, you know, fat flavor that we were familiar with or you know, a very vegetal flavor. But those one-note dishes that maybe mama made because it was quick and easy, but yeah. now we're being introduced to flavors from all over the world because we can order it on Amazon. And so now we're starting to start to have a little salty, a little sweet, a little spicy, okay. all in the same dish. I will give you one that okay. you're going to cringe over. All right. Because you know they say you never know something until you try it. I had uh, some I'm, I'm a little afraid. <laughs> I had homemade guacamole at home, and I was making a hot dog, and I was putting sauerkraut on it. And I said, hmm, hmm, if I put guacamole on one side and sauerkraut on the other. Let's see how it came out. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, don't, that's good to know. Don't do it. I have <laughs> sacrificed myself. <laughs> I, my girlfriend is looking at me. Monica is going, and you're really going to put that in your mouth. I said, you never know till you try it. She says, I can tell you now. Ain't no good. <laughs> I can tell you now. It's, yeah. It's, Sometimes you got to listen to the woman in your life there. <laughs> you know, the first time somebody said, hey, put that peanut butter and that chocolate together, they were like, what are you doing? But So I had to go for it. But I knew it was two strong flavors that I had a feeling. Because the poor hot dog looked at me off the bun and like, no! <laughs> And it's it's funny how those things happen because I had uh, some some teenagers that I was kind of hanging out with one day, and it was two teenage boys, and I can only imagine what their parents are going through having to feed two teenage boys because I asked their dad, did they eat before they came over? <laughs> and yeah, 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 I just got them food. So about an hour, they were pacing. Uh, yeah. You could tell. 
And so I pull out a whole loaf of French bread. They ate a whole loaf of French bread. I have ham and cheese. They eat all my cold cuts, and then they're ready for round two. And the only thing I have left are zaps, crawl taters, and peanut butter, and a loaf of French bread. And so one of the little boys made a peanut butter and zaps potato chip sandwich. Only thing missing from that is some cheese. Well, I thought to, I sat him down and I said, man, let's have a really good discussion about complex flavors because peanut butter and spice, those go together. Yeah. You know, there's some, probably some mustard seed in that. There's, you know, I was like, this is a very complicated palate dish. But then I realized that college kids on a budget, teenage boys and people that went out drinking too long all seem to have the same flavor profiles in mind. So, <laughs> yes, who can get full on what can we eat? So, <laughs> yeah, I remember that my son's being at that age and it, it's amazing. You have to feed him every hour. Yeah. Every hour. And it's like you have to put a timer because you got to be five minutes ahead of them because otherwise... Like if you'd have seen my kitchen by the time they left, it was a disaster zone. Well, you invite them over when you get ready to clean out the freezer. That's well. Now I know. Hurricane coming. Hey guys, get your friends. Come on over. <laughs> we're having a cooking party. Well, so if you were going to have a cooking party at your house, what are you going to cook? Whatever Monica makes. Oh, that's right. Because you don't cook at home. That's right. You know, most chefs don't cook at home unless you have little kids. Yeah. You I, know. We eat we eat a lot of stuff out of styrofoam to go containers. I know exactly, that exactly, exactly. Most chefs' refrigerators, you got tons of to go containers. Cheese is molding, you know. Lettuce is going bad, you know. That's a, a, a fridge full of pickles and mustard is pretty. A lot much. of condiments. Yeah, lots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. ingredients is plumber has it dripping the sink. You know, the lawn care guy has the worst looking lawn on the block. But that's just the nature of the business. Yeah. Do you like peanut butter? I do like peanut butter. Somebody turned me on to this years ago. Take a little thin swipe of mayonnaise oh, on no. one side of the bread with the peanut butter. And I'm like, peanut and I'm a mayonnaise, mayonnaise. I'm a mayonnaise fan. All right. But just on what one side of the bread. You, you like, plate. Okay, good. I'll eat a dry sandwich before I have a different mayonnaise on my sandwich. Plate. <laughs> thin layer. Thin layer. Peanut butter on the other side. Try it. All right. It for some reason it just makes that peanut butter taste so sweet it just pops. I'll 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 have to do that one late night when I'm hungry and I need a snack. <laughs> and call me, let me know. And I will let you know. I did a a, a thing. I have a I, I like mayonnaise, or as my papa would call it, mayonnaise. Um, and you know I put a good bit oh, on yeah. my sandwich. You know if I'm gonna have it, you don't want a dry sandwich. And so for hogs for a cause this year, I said, okay, there's a blue plate category, so we have to do something. And I said, my favorite thing to do is to deep fry stuff. Yes. So I'm like, I wonder if we could deep fry in blue plate mayonnaise. And I was like, all right. Well, let me tell you, Chef Kev, just like you learned the hard way with that um, hot dog thing, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in mayonnaise, you know, so you actually have to heat it up, strain it through a chinoise to make it friable, to get all the stuff out of it so it won't okay. burn. But I deep fried fry bread in that, and it will change your life. <laughs> Wait so. up. You, because I remember putting mayonnaise. I was went to just playing around at home with something, and I want to say I put mayonnaise on the outside of the bread. Oh, yeah, on the grilled cheese. And no. 
battered it and and kind of pan fried it. And it was like... Okay, our cardiologist, if we have a cardiologist who's listening to this, they're going to be like, um, Amy, aren't you supposed to be going to the gym and being healthy? And we you're talking about deep frying and monies. <laughs> if you, Chef Kevin, if you were like, okay, I can go anywhere in the world. I love Louisiana cuisine, but I want to learn more about somewhere else in the world and their food. Where would you go? Right now, I think Turkey. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time working on the cookbook. Ooh. And so I go sit over at Fatma's Cozy Corner. Fatma used to have Fatouche. Yes. You know, and now she's in the Treme. And I'll go over there and just grab a table, get some tea. Her mom has a tea plantation in Turkey. Oh, I did not know that. So it's wonderful teas. And she'll make these dishes. And I'll say, Fatma, just feed me something. Make me something for lunch. And it's like, yeah. So now it's like, I want to go to Turkey now. Oh, yes. I think the flavors, you know, there's something exotic about all those aromatics that get me excited. And you know, when we think about building the flavors of our, our local food, and to me, it's the the depth of the roux and the frying of the onions. And yes. that is building my depth of flavor. But I feel like as I, you know, broaden my view of food and I start to take in these other cultures, you realize that it's the combination of the aromatics that are building these flavors in addition. Too much can be way too much. And not enough is noticeable. It's true. It's true. But, I mean, there is there's so much wonderful food here in our city. You know, thank goodness to all the different folks that have come here and come in and brought a little bit of home with them that we can kind of almost go eat around the world now. We can. I mean, from the 70s, we've had great Vietnamese cuisine that folks don't even— if you haven't had it, gone to a Vietnamese restaurant and had any of that cuisine, shame on you. To Absolutely. not have that experience because it is so good and it's so fresh. And and I didn't know this. The reason why the Vietnamese chose to come to New Orleans, because most of them were Catholic. Vietnam is hot and humid. Yep. A lot of water. They were fishermen, some farmers. And you look at New Orleans, hot and humid, yep. seafood, Catholic. It was a natural fit. A natural fit. And, you know, you see that... Um, that the the herbs and plants and things that are growing in Vietnam do beautifully here because it is yeah. so similar in, the in that climate. Yeah, um, I, I tell everybody that I am single handedly responsible for the invasive shiso in the French Quarter because I planted shiso in a pot in my courtyard and it went to seed. And I swear, if I walk two blocks, I see it in the cracks of the sidewalk. <laughs> so I think we all, we, as much as we love these things, we have to remember that sometimes there's not somebody eating it and it's starting to take over. Well, you know, I tell you what, I had, I went to a thing the other night um, over at uh, SoFab and it was about the Asian carp that they've named, renamed Silverfin. Yes. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. A lot of bones in it. And one of the chefs took it, poached it, pulled it off the bone, and cooked it just like a crab cake. And you would have known the difference. It was so good. So good. So now it's like, yep. When they're coming in Louisiana, this is how we're going to get rid of them. Yeah, we're we're going to eat them. Yeah, we're going to take care of you. (laughs) If if you don't eat us first, we're going to figure out how to get rid of it. 
And um, I think, you know, as chefs, we're starting to see more of that. We want to use the bycatch. We want to eat the forage things, maybe the invasive species. You yes. know, we're seeing the boar. We're seeing, you know, all these things. I, I like to say that kudzu is going to be the next cool thing. You just, you know, just wait and see. I think people are going to remember that they can eat it. But, um, you know, we, I, I think, start to realize that living in South Louisiana, we look outside in our backyard and oh. we can we can eat what's in the backyard and we can grow it. But the weeds are edible too. Yes, so it's dandelion. Kind of, yeah. Uh, We're going to have to do a whole show on that, Chef Kev. About dandelion greens? No, about just, just eating stuff. Well, it, do, you remember, do you remember people on Claiborne Avenue on a neutral ground picking pepper grass? I remember watching ladies sitting there picking peppergrass and guys would bet they don't like, what are they doing? They're picking peppergrass. And, and I, it's there's so much stuff. I, I told a friend the other day that our zoo is the only zoo that doesn't have an emergency response team. <laughs> because when you move into the neighborhood, you're put on speed dial. If anything gets out, you get a you get a text, this is out, and like two minutes later, you get another text going, this is the address for the gumbo tonight. Yes. Because the animals know, whatever you do, you can get out of your area, but don't leave the property. Yeah, because we're going to get you. <laughs> Well, you know, I um, you know, I think about all the the food that we have in South Louisiana and what we're growing up with, and you know, your show on WYES and how exciting it is that that those flavors are making it beyond our borders and to people in their homes all over the country that they're kind of getting re-familiar. We've had you know our little our our pushes with different um, Louisiana chefs that have made it on TV. But now we're, I feel like that trend is continuing, and now even more people are embracing our food. Are you ready for the crazy part that I never thought would have happened? I get so many letters, actually handwritten letters from kids. One kid sent me a picture. They had a snow day. He and his dad made bread pudding oh, that I had cute. done on the show. Another kid, 13 years old, wrote me this handwritten letter. A little girl, five years old, wrote me this handwritten letter at five. You know, saying, would you please write me back? So that means they're watching. Yeah. And it's, they're doing that with a parent. They're doing that with an So that's why I love to try to make it look really easy and, and show that it is easy. And so now these kids are falling back in love with food again. And it just amazes me that I remember at that age sitting with my mom watching Julia Child, that maybe one of them will be on... When I get old, and you'll be you'll be sitting and, and with and go, I got a letter. For, I remember getting a letter from him, or I remember getting a letter from her when she was five. Look at her now, and you'll be so proud of yes. <laughs> well, Jeff, we're almost out of time, but I want you to tell our listeners where they can find you. Where can they see you? Where can they watch you? Wyes uh, Channel Twelve or. If you don't have PBS, you can get it on Create. Now, WIS, it's 9.30 Saturday mornings, 1 o'clock Sunday afternoons. Uh, every Tuesday morning on WWL-TV, I'll be doing the cooking segments. Now, you know, switch it. Just when you get up in the morning, put it on 54. Put it on WPL first thing in the morning. That way you don't have to change over at 7 o'clock. And I'm also going to be doing more programs for wwl like bringing back like the naturally gnawing segments. Awesome. But we may call them, you know, this is how we live in the Big Easy or Big Easy Living. 
So we're going to do some special features about people and things of our hometown. Well, so ladies and gentlemen out there, if you like to listen in to Chef Kev, you can see him on WYES and on WWL. And we're looking forward to all the crazy stuff that is going to be coming out, cookbooks, TV. You're going to be, I must say, I I knew him when and I had him (laughs) in the studio. Um, Chef Kevin, the cool kid. So, well, Thank you so much for joining me today. For our listeners out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host in New Orleans by mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.